Listener Production. Listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. I'm so excited about today's episode. We are welcoming M. Carrie to the podcast. Hello, darling. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Your story is just like so remarkable and wild and like just like literally one for the books. Literally one for the books. You've done that as <laughs> A well. literal book. <laughs> I was driving with Chump one day like years ago when we first moved up to the Gold Coast and you were walking across the main road in Palm Beach and he goes, oh my God, that's the girl that fell from the sky. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, and he told me this crazy story, which everyone is about. Oh my God, how did he know? (laughs) I think he heard through one of his friends, the Nellers, who are from Jindabar. And I don't know how they, you know, the world heard. small world. But no, Chump knew about your story and he told me and I was like mind blown. So I'd always kind of known about you, never really seen you in person apart from that. And um, I'm just so, like, stoked to finally meet you. We've been talking online, trying to meet up. We've been but... talking. I've seen you around Palmy for oh, years. Oh, Yeah, but I'm a bit shy. We <laughs> all live in Palmy. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah, we yeah, all yeah. came separately. Yeah. yeah. Go figure. You guys came <laughs> separately too. No, no, we came together. We need to save those emissions. We should have drove. <laughs> yeah, we need to, doll. What about the fucking footprint? They're <laughs> <laughs> hopeless. No, we should have because Em's car was breaking down on the way. Oh, my God. It's too hot. Too hot for my car. Anyway. You are the girl that fell from the sky. And I just, like, can't stop thinking about all the pickup lines that guys must be like, <laughs> you look like such an angel. Did it hurt yeah, when like, you fell from the sky? Yeah, it fucking you did. So, yeah. yeah. Are you fucking overhearing that? Do people say that to you? I used to have it in my, like, Tinder bio. And then I thought, what am I doing? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> like, well, move if, on. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Literally. But I've heard all the jokes for sure. Oh, doll. I am yeah. so scared of heights, so I would never skydive ever. It's not for me. This probably but isn't going to help you. for that. No, it's, I, it's not going to help, but I'm definitely not going to yeah. do it regardless. Right. But I want to hear your story. Okay. Well, have um, you done it? I've first skydived of all? twice and I'll never do it again. <laughs> I did it before hearing your story. And do you yeah. know what? The second time I skydived, I, you know, oh, I was, oh, bless. I'm so sorry. I was just about to say, you know, when you're parachuting at the end and you're like going like Actually this. don't know. Yeah. Don't know fuck. <laughs> and I was vomiting because I was like, I feel like I'm on a boat and I was just like, Bleh, and I spewed all over me and the guy. Anyway, this podcast isn't about me today. <laughs> so I don't like skydiving for that reason, but. Okay. So no one here likes skydiving. No. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it all happened when I was 20 and I decided to go to Europe on a trip around Europe. It's just something I'd, oh, I didn't know anything that I wanted to do in life. All that I knew that was that I wanted to travel. So I was like, all right, let's go to Europe, do the whole thing. And when we got to Switzerland, I decided to skydive and I did it with my best friend, Gemma, who was terrified. She was like, you oh, was adamant her whole life. Like she was never going to do it. It weird thinking yep. about it. I'm like, oh my God. And I was did just you like, like make her do it? Made, forced her. So can you oh, imagine God, oh <laughs> if it happened to her instead? I have fucking goosebumps. Like yeah. literally look at my arm hairs. They're like a kilometre long right so, now. Yeah. So first time you've ever skydived. First you. time I'd ever done it. And okay. it was tandem. And going into it, it sounds so silly now, but there was not even an ounce of nerves. Like I didn't register that it was dangerous. I think because, no. you know, when you're overseas, life doesn't really feel real. Yeah. You're like, whatever happens over here, 
you know, it's not going to affect my real life back home. I had that kind of feeling. But also when you're going to, you're paying to do skydiving, these guys are professionals, you're like doing this, like, like you know, it's... possibly go wrong? You know, everyone yeah. does it. You're yeah. like, let's do it. I, yeah. I completely get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so on the way up in the helicopter, I was just nothing but excited. Poor Gemma was crying her eyes out. Oh, um, And then thing. when we jumped out, I was, again, loving it. The So... The beginning part that was meant to be the free fall was the first 30 seconds or whatever. I remember loving it so much, thinking I'm going to become a skydiver. Like that's how much I was into it. And I'm sure a lot of people have that feeling. That feeling of just like the free fall. Did you just like that becomes the adrenaline. I just felt so, yeah, so energised and alive and just like I was doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. And then they say when you feel a tap on your shoulder, you cross your arms over your chest. And so I felt the tap on my shoulder across my arms and that's when they're meant to pull the parachute. And I expected to feel like a big jolt and then Mm. slow down, but we didn't. All I kind of felt was my hair being ripped backwards and I thought it was so weird that no one had warned me that it hurts, like that your hair gets ripped out. I was like, that's that's weird. But because I'd never done it, I had nothing to compare it to, right? So I didn't initially know that something was wrong. But as more time went on and it would have been like, Seconds, right? You're getting close. I yeah, yeah, like literally seconds. But it's weird because time in this moment didn't feel real because it felt so slow, but at the same time so fast. Like I had so much time to think, but it would have only been a few seconds. No. And so I was calling out to the instructor, and he wasn't responding. And I thought, like, well, maybe he just can't hear me over the wind. But I was like, "Are we okay?" And he just wasn't responding. I was like, "Okay, well, I'm sure he's doing everything he can." But then the moment I really realized was I saw a scrunched up parachute in front of us instead of above us and open. And you're just laughing right now. I don't know. (laughs) Like I might want to cry, but I want to laugh, but I've got goosebumps. I'm like, oh, it makes me feel like I want to spew. It's a long time ago. We're all all fine. It's all good. But that's when I realized and I thought 100% like this is it. I didn't think it would be possible to survive that, obviously. And I was still calling out to him, but I because I my hair was like pulled backwards, I couldn't even see if the instructor was even attached to me still. Literally. So for all I knew, I was like, maybe I'm just somehow... You could feel him I'm behind you? Well, I, I just didn't... I didn't really know. It was all so... It was happening. Heavy yeah. and like... Yeah. Just so like, I was like, maybe I've fallen off him somehow. Like, I honestly didn't know. Oh, God, And then we hit the ground and somehow I wasn't knocked unconscious at all. I, I was oh completely awake the entire time. Did you think you're in heaven? Yeah, I was like, surely I've died. Like, surely this is it. And then the next feeling that I had was just the most intense pain throughout my whole body. And I was like, I've gone to hell. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I've, I must have been bad because I was like this. It was just the most awful feeling oh my God. that I've ever felt. And then, and then we're in the middle of the Swiss Alps and there's no one around. And oh, I land on my belly and he's on my back. So I can't, I can't get up. And then I realized like it's up to me to go and find help because at this stage he was still unconscious. So I thought, okay, he's not going to be able to get up. Where's like, oh, you've just fully splattered down. Like you're not in the base camp or anything. No, so we landed like- Are you in a bush? No, we're just in like a a field. Oh Oh my God. So we're, I think, a kilometre from where we're meant to land. But so I'm kind of like moving my neck around, peering around to see what's, what's around me. And I can't see any buildings, can't see any people. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to attempt to roll him off me and then get up and go and find help. And it was in that moment when I tried to roll that I realised I was completely paralysed from the waist down. Oh, my God. So I couldn't use my abs. I couldn't, yeah, use my legs. And then I was like, okay, let's just try to do something really simple, like wriggle my toes, and I couldn't even do that. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Terrifying. Oh, how long was this period of you guys sitting there with having no help and not knowing what the fuck's going on? And were you seriously questioning whether you're alive, alive or yeah, not? Yeah, it, it seems so... Not real. So surreal because keep in mind two minutes earlier, I was this 20-year-old overseas on a holiday, like so carefree. So to have such a contrast in such a short amount of time, I just couldn't, like my brain couldn't compute what was happening. But luckily Gemma was jumping after us and she didn't see anything go wrong, but her instructor must have because they landed like where we oh, were. okay. Oh so it was probably God. only maybe two oh. or three minutes while we waited for them. But again, it seemed oh like an eternity. Oh, my God, can you imagine that? Have you spoken to that instructor, like, post this and be like, what? Come up. Yeah, I haven't spoken oh, to him, but oh. I saw, I read, like, a witness report or yeah. something and they said all they saw was us, like, spinning really fast, dropping to the ground. Oh, and then I think man. this witness, wherever they were, so like, ran over as well. how do you, like... Holy fuck. This is obviously like a proper miracle. Like how did you not like explode you your die? brain out of your ears and shit? Yeah, I have literally no idea. <laughs> but literally. like seriously. Yeah. Like how's your brain gen- intact like, and your... Yeah. I, I honestly you. don't Amazing. know. And yeah, so many people ask me that. They're like, but what was the reason? And it truly, like I don't know. And so no one no, knows. No, just no. Like, you're just one of the lucky ones. Yeah, so lucky. And I, I feel like I can wow. always, when I tell my story to people, I can always gauge like the kind of person they are because they always say, you're so unlucky or you're so lucky. And Literally. I'm like, of course I'm the luckiest yeah. person ever. Like it's unlucky that it happened in the scheme of every single person that goes skydiving. But the fact that I could survive that, like I just am so lucky. I can't oh, believe it. You're so amazing and positive. To set the scene, Gemma and I had been best friends since we were like five in primary school. So we'd done everything together our whole lives. And I didn't think it was possible to get closer. You know what I mean? I thought like we were the closest we could ever be to another human. But then after going through something like that, it just binds you in a way like unlike anything else. Well, she literally thought you were probably just dead. Yeah, well, she she landed and, again, she said the entire thing she was just hating. She reckoned she had a premonition, but I think she just, like, never (laughs) wanted to do it. And so she lands. She's like, thank God that's over. And then she hears me screaming from across the field, like, Gemma, I can't move my legs. I can't feel my legs help. And do you remember these moments at all or were you in so much shock and you've remembered the story that Gemma tells you or do you really remember this? Yeah, I remember 100%. Yeah, that blows my mind. The only time it goes a bit hazy is from like getting in the emergency helicopter when they started giving me all the drugs, um, like the painkillers. From that, the next few days there are a bit hazy. But the fall and the field, like I remember perfectly. No way. But yeah, so she runs over to me. And I think at first she was like, as it, like, the same thing that I'd already had time kind of to process, like as if this is happening, like this is so far-fetched as if. And then she just went into action mode. She like ran across the field to this random couple that was walking by, grabbed their phone, gave it to her instructor to call the ambulance. And then she called my mum. And back home in Australia, it was like 11 p.m. or something. Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, I spoke to my mum. And then eventually an emergency helicopter came and we flew to the hospital. Must have been hard as well because, like, English isn't the first language over there either. So, like, trying to explain that you've just fallen from an aeroplane from the sky. Yeah, for sure. It's been not a common... Yeah, I always think that 
period and the next few days would have been so much harder for Gemma because she's the one that had to actually deal with it. We're only 20 in a foreign country. We can't really have a fluent conversation with anyone. And it took a few days for my family to get there. So she just had to like be be in control of everything. What a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about what happened to the instructor that was strapped to you. Yes. So I didn't realise this at the time, obviously, but after they did investigations, they figured out that a few things went wrong that led to that. So basically there's two parachutes in the backpack. There's like the main one which comes out when they pull it and there's an emergency one which they wouldn't normally need to use but it comes out automatically at a certain altitude if for some reason the other one isn't already out. Like there's this device that somehow knows if you're still falling too fast. And so my instructor forgot to wear his altimeter which tells you how high you are and when you're meant to pull it. But oh. I've also heard that when instructors are that good, they just that know. Good, yeah, they just know. They just see the ground and they know. Yeah. But so he forgot to wear that. Also, it was a cloudy day, so we jumped from a different height than normal because we were under the clouds or something. And I think it should have been cancelled due to the weather anyway. Oh. But anyway, because he pulled it too late, he pulled it the exact same second that the emergency one was coming out on its own. Oh. What so, the fuck? Yeah, like if I was told that if he pulled it one second earlier... Would have been fine, would have opened. If you pulled it one second later, the emergency, the emergency one would have opened. Yeah. But because they came oh out the exact God. same time, they got all tangled nah. and the cords wrapped around his neck and strangled him. Oh, this gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dramatic, it's isn't it? It's very, very yeah. well, it is dramatic. It's, it's, I mean, there's nothing not dramatic yeah, about this whole story, but like, whoa. But yeah, so he was unconscious the entire time, which explains why he why wasn't, he wasn't answering, answering, why he couldn't do anything to fix it, and why on the ground he was just like a dead weight on top of me. Yeah, but he survived. Um, did he come oh to? At what point did he come to? Um, as we were laying in the field, very briefly, he woke up for like a second, unclicked himself and then like passed out again off to the no side. Way. Crazy. And what kind of contact did you have with him after? Well, so we were in the same hospital in Switzerland for a month and I was like begging the nurses every day to try and see him because I just wanted to tell him, like, that I was okay. Obviously, I wasn't okay physically, but, like, I was fine and I forgave him. And, oh, you're so Well, beautiful. I just thought, like, imagine the guilt that he would be feeling. Like, oh, wow. for me, I'm, I'm the one that chose to go skydiving. For him, like, he had someone, else, someone else's life in his hands. Like, I just knew that that would be a horrible feeling for him. And so I was begging to see him and he was refusing visitors, like oh. not only me, but like he, apparently he wouldn't even see his family or anyone. Oh, he was really probably sad. scared to see mm. you as well. And then the day that I left, I was like crying to the nurses. I was like, please just tell him I'm about to go to Australia. I don't know when I'll ever be able to see him again. And then just as the ambulance had come to pick me up to take me to the aeroplane, uh, he wheeled into my room oh. in a wheelchair and... I honestly feel like we didn't even speak. He just came over to my bed and we held hands and, like, looked at each other for, like, a minute. Oh, my God. And then he left. Oh. Yeah. It was like a movie. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't seen him since then. So. It's a lot. Mm. Okay. It is so, a lot, isn't it? Fuck. Sometimes I forget it's a lot because it's such a long time ago in my life, but it was a lot. Like, so <laughs> every, anyone that's listening as well, like, I actually didn't know Em's story until today. I, like, purposely was, like, I knew that we were interviewing Em and I really wanted to, like, just... Take hear it, it firsthand and I'm like shook. That's like way, <laughs> I mean, nothing. That's some, something you do not hear about. Like that's a, the freakiest accent, accident ever. out of a plane. But like, so was that the very beginning of your trip or is it like? Yeah, so I was Devo. It was five first, days first in. Weekend. Yeah, and I remember thinking like I've been saving up for years. For yeah. oh, I was so Seriously. off it. And the whole time I was in hospital in Switzerland, like 
I knew that it was serious. I knew that it was dramatic. But again, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I just kept thinking like, it's okay. Like tomorrow I'll get back. I was doing a top deck. So I was like, I'll get back on the bus. Like I'll catch up with everyone. Wow. It'll all go back to normal. Yeah. I just couldn't register how long-term Okay, when did, what did they say to you? you yeah. Gonna, what, what yeah, so I went straight into surgery and had all these tests done. And they found out that I had broken my back and had a spinal cord injury at L1, which is like, oh, yeah, um, like above belly my belly button. Okay, kind yeah. of. Okay. Um, and they said that I would never walk again. And again, this is, they're speaking Swiss German. Well, they're speaking English, but it, it wasn't fluent. So nah. I couldn't really ask questions. It was, in this whole experience, I've come across so many doctors and nurses and all these other kind of professionals. And 99% of them are the most incredible people I've ever met and love mm-hmm. them. But this particular guy who delivered this message, it was just so indifferent. He, it was just like a passing sentence to yeah. him. I've and heard he, that before as well. Yeah. And, and so I always say to, to people, anyone who's a nurse or whoever listening, that like it's so important to remember that to you, sure, it's just like your regular Monday afternoon at work. But to the person you're dealing with, it's the biggest thing that will ever happen to them entire life, like in their entire life. It's, it's such a pivotal day. And when people have those pivotal days in their life, whatever it is, like they remember every detail of how people treated every them or what word. was said. And so... It's just so important to remember that because it would be so easy to be like, well, yeah, I've dealt with this thing five times no. today. Like, Because I've heard that from another paraplegic friend. They said the exact same thing. And, yeah, he's like you. He's walking now. But they said he would never walk and he just reminds it, remembers it being point blank like that. Yeah, so yeah, heavy. yeah. Like, um, that would be etched into your brain, those words. Yeah, which, like, I understand that he needed to tell me that, but it was just, I you, in the movies, it's like this big sit-down chat, right, where people gather around your bed, like, hold your hand, and they're like, yeah. okay, like, yes. you're going to be okay, but just letting you know, here it is. But he was, It was just like he was telling me, like, breakfast was ready, and then he was like, okay, hey, off I go. Like, yeah, yeah, you're not going to walk again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willy, all right. Willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. But you need to make a movie doll. Are you going to make a movie? <laughs> I don't know how to just make a movie. <laughs> yeah, but not quite there yet. If anyone has any contacts. I'll film doll. <laughs> we can wow. start now. I want to know, did you have, because you just tell the story very positively, obviously. So it's been nearly 10 years now, right? Nearly 10 years. 10 years next year. Yeah. Holy wow. moly. But, but honestly, I think that one of the main things, well, there were a few like different pivotal points throughout the journey where I guess I redirected myself onto the more positive or grateful track but I honestly think one of the biggest things that helped me was being awake when I was falling, even though that sounds like it would be the opposite and it was really yeah. traumatic at the time, obviously, and not a great memory to have. But I think I just, the fact that I was so aware and present and thought I only had 10 seconds left, like I just feel as hard as things were after that, I just above it all feel so lucky to be here. You know what I mean? Mm. I just feel... Like, as, yeah, thing, things were really hard in hospital for months and even years later, but I just can always remember that feeling of thinking I wouldn't get another 10 seconds and I've got another 10 years. So I just above it all feel so, yeah. so lucky. Because your so. life literally just flashed before your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So how many surgeries have you had over the 10 years? Oh, my God, so many. Um, I don't, honestly Lost don't know. Lost count. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What what have been the major ones? um, Well, the major ones were the one that I had that day on my spine and I also broke my pelvis. So there's, on the x-ray, it literally looks like this big screw from Bunnings. Like just this big is just into my pelvis. And then a few days later, I had another surgery on my spine from the side this time. So they needed to collapse my lung in order to get to my spine. So I had like a little lung drain. 
Um, I've had a few in my bladder. What else? So with the spinal oh injury and stuff like that, with, you know, they're saying that you can't ever walk again. Well, what are they doing then? Like, what are they trying to do? Like, are they, are they actually trying to actively make, like, try help and you help walk. you walk? Or is um, it, like, what kind of surgeries are we talking? Yeah, no, so the surgery was basically just to, I guess, when your spinal cord, like, when your back breaks, there's little shards of bone, right? Yep. So they want to take all of that out so it, it's to get it all out of the spinal cord and I guess give it the best possible chance at healing. Yeah, but they yeah. also, I have lots of metal in my back so that just strengthens mm-hmm. the bone that broke. Yeah, but in wow. terms of the spinal cord, I don't think they actually really do anything. It's just like mere luck whether or not it heals. And so, mm. Dol, did you send the photos of you walking at the Sydney Fashion Week to those doctors in the Swiss Alps? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, like, you who's need this to chick? send them out to everyone that told you you could never walk again. Well, I just feel, I don't know. I You're amazing. Well, thank you. But for me, I don't really feel like it was me defying the doctors or me doing anything special Mm. to get there. And I know that people really well-intentioned say things like it's because I was positive or resilient or whatever it is. But I have so many friends who are all of those things and have done exactly what I've done, the exact same therapy and rehab and are so determined and they haven't got back up on their feet. So that's why I think Mm. it really does just come down to luck in the specific way that your spinal cord was damaged. Because, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's anything that I can claim that I did because I feel that's kind of belittling everyone else who didn't get that same yeah. opportunity. Oh, that's really, so you've yeah. met a really cool crew of other people that have been through like oh, nuts accidents. So many. Like right now, um, one of my best friends is staying at my house. He, I met him in the Spinal Ward and we've been like best friends ever since. Oh, so Spinal Ward here in Australia or over there? Yeah, here in Australia. I flew to Sydney where I stayed for three months. And so it's kind of situation where, again, you're you're like living the worst days of your life at the same time as someone else and your family and friends can be there for you, but they can't really relate to you or empathise with you in the same way that someone else living through I the same fully, thing can. fully agree yeah. with you in everything yeah. you say with that one. Okay, so just while, while we're on the topic of surgeries... Elodie was actually telling me on the way up that you had your breast implants removed Mm -hmm. and that was because you were getting sick. I know this is like quite common these days. Like I've heard quite a few people that have had had their breasts removed and was there a point in time where like, you know, for other women out there that may be feeling something not right, like how did you know that you needed to get them taken out? Yeah, so for me there was kind of two reasons and the first was the breast implant illness but the second was I... Um, and I obviously don't recommend this, but I am someone that very much does things on a whim. Like I don't think things through. And so me getting, like I'm so erratic. And so me getting breast implants was something I'd never in my life contemplated. Like I have no boobs naturally, but I'd never thought about it. It wasn't something I was self-conscious about. It just, I went to an appointment with my friend who was getting them. By the end of the appointment, (laughs) I was booked in. Like, I would fucking do something like that too. I would probably do something like that too. I don't really like waiting for things. I'm like, it needs to be done immediately. If I have a thought, I'm like, well, I'll do it now. Book me in tomorrow. Yeah. So then as soon as I had them in, and I've never heard anyone talk about this, that when I... When I looked in the mirror, like I didn't feel like me anymore. And I know, just want to preface, obviously, that 
I know so many people get them and feel so much better for it and it helps their confidence and what, and that's all amazing. Like absolutely yeah. taking away nothing from those people. But for me, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm not me. Like I just, I didn't feel it suited me and I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't feel like myself. And so I, I never liked them. I, but I didn't obviously think that I was going to have another surgery just to get them out. I was like, just, you know, like... Here we go. Yeah, so I yeah, was like... Another fucking surgery to add to the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, let's just, like, it's fine. Um, but I, yeah, I was never, I was never happy with them. And then as, I think I only had them for like two years maybe. I thought we about to say two months. I'm yeah, like, same. girl, <laughs> no, I think, we need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too erratic. <laughs> They're massive. They were massive. And that's another thing. I never wanted them that big and just the whole thing it just wasn't what I thought it would be which is obviously my own fault for rushing into it and not doing enough research and like I'm very aware of that but then over the years I I feel like I got unwell in so many random ways that didn't add up like for one thing I had gained so much weight and with no explanation I had so much psoriasis which I like naturally have psoriasis that flares up from time to time but it was like all over my face, all over my chest and back, and it just nothing would make it go away. And what else? Man, it's all oh, my hair was kind of falling out. I had such low energy. I just kind of had like heaps of brain fog, like I couldn't think clearly. There were all these random things. And I don't know how I first heard about breast implant illness. I think. Is that what it's called? Breast yeah, implant illness. Yeah. I think I was talking maybe even on Instagram one day about how I was so tired all the time or something. And because my breast implants were so big, like it was very obvious to people that I had got them. And someone had messaged me and was like, have you heard of breast implant illness? And I hadn't. And then the more I looked into it, like every single symptom, I was like, oh my God, that's that's me. And I know that it's something that doesn't affect everyone. And I have no idea if perhaps it affected me because I already had other kind of like foreign things in my body, like all the metal in my spine and pelvis. I don't know if that maybe impacted that my body was was rejecting this other thing as well. But as soon as I got them out, I felt so much better in myself. I just felt like I was me again. And all of the symptoms went away within like a month. Like your brain fog and your psoriasis went away. Yeah. Crazy. Isn't that just fucking nuts? Yeah. So your body's like rejecting this thing. And yeah, I don't know why for some people they're fine and others they're not. I I have no idea. But for me, that was my experience. And yeah, I always genuinely forget about it because it was like this two-year random period of my life where I had them but I like I have big scars across there now but I just don't I don't ever think about it because yeah to me I I feel so much more myself this way wow yeah wow Mm. yeah I'm hearing about breast isn't always greener on the other side a lot these days that's right I know I think instead of getting a boob job because I feel like I've got saggy little tiny tits after breastfeeding I might get some of my ass put into my boobs <laughs> it's a relocation yeah. fake fake proper fakies in I'm not really going to do that, but it's a thought. It's a thought. I've been fantasising. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it too because, yeah, I have, I'm literally flat now. And the only way, the only reason it annoys me sometimes is because clothes, so many clothes don't fit. Yeah. It's like gaping. Yeah. The gape is but, real. When yeah. was it that you took your first steps again? How many years later? Uh, no, same year, a few no months way. later when I was, oh, wow. yeah, when I was in the spinal ward. And there kind of wasn't really a specific day. Again, I feel like in the movies, it's like, oh my God, one day it's a miracle and she's up in Adam. But it, there was so many stages. So at first I would walk. Well, at first I was doing so much rehab, like laying down. And then I would 
get up and walk on like a walking frame where I would lean my whole body weight onto it and kind of just drag my legs underneath me. And then I progressed to two crutches and then eventually one crutch. And oh my God, the story of when I actually took my first steps is so funny. I I kind of forgot about it. But then when I was writing my book, I remembered this specific moment and I'd never told anyone about it. But so basically I was laying in bed one night in my little room in the hospital and when you first get to the spinal ward, you see, you meet like a physio, occupational therapist, nutritionist, psychologist, all these things. And the nutritionist was to warn us that because we couldn't move as easily as we used to, we had to be more careful about what we ate. And I was like, nah, mate, like, I'm, I'm going through enough. I'm going to eat. Like, Literally, yeah. I'm eating the burger. Yeah, Shut I'm all up. right. <laughs> I um, deserve it. Yeah. And anyway, so many visitors that came would bring me like chocolates and lollies, you know, like just... Being yeah, nice, bring me that. And so my mum would put it on the other side of the room so that when I was laying in bed at night, I couldn't just like mindlessly eat because obviously like that's what I would have done. And this one night it was like 10 p.m. and I was laying there and I was like, oh my God, like could could really go some chalky. <laughs> you can see it across <laughs> yeah. the room. I'm like, Torture. oh. And I had the little nurse buzzer and I could have, but I was like, it doesn't feel like a good enough reason to be like, yes, hey, Dolls, can you come and get me oh, some I would have done it. Chucky. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And so I don't know where my wheelchair was. Don't know where my crutches were, but I was like, it's okay. I am going to be able to like hold onto the bed and then hold onto the furniture around the room and like get my way over there. Oh. But as I'm like doing this, which was so hard, but I'm like holding onto this cupboard or something. And then as I'm up there, I realize that it's actually further away than oh, I realized. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm stuck. And then I was like, okay, well, what if I just try to take a step without holding on to anything to get to the chocolate? And then my mind was like, oh, but what if I fall? And then my mind was also like, well, you're fallen from higher dust. Like you're (laughs) going to be all right. And so I, I did, I was like, okay, I let go. And then I took two steps to get to the chocolate and then like landed on this chocolate table But I got it. I threw oh it to the bed. God. I somehow went back. And that was how I took my first step. Oh, my goodness. And no Just, one was there to bloody say No it. one was there to say I don't think I even told any because I wasn't meant to. Like, yeah, I wasn't meant to be trying. It was sneaky. It was like a sneaky chocolate yeah. dash. So she yeah. But the chalky, the chalky is what did it for me. How good. Oh God, I know, right? Amazing. Were you, like, shocked in yourself when you did that? You're like... Oh, hang on a second. Yeah. Did, it, did you like look around? Yeah, yeah. Did I was like, "Whoa!" Like, oh my god, I really, I really did it because even though I was, oh, my sick. legs were gradually getting better at every stage. Like whether it was the walking frame or crutches, whatever it was, the doctors and physios would always say, and really kindly, but they'd always say, "Don't get too excited because even if you can walk on crutches, like it's not going to be, it's going to be easier to just use a wheelchair." in general life. Like, so don't, don't get too excited. It's not that realistic that you'll be able to walk day to day. And so when I took these few steps, it was the first time that I really thought, oh, maybe, like, maybe I will be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. insane. Did you have, like, those times when you're in hospital and you're having those nights alone, did you have any really dark times or... Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you, you would Yeah, have. the first few days when I was in Switzerland, probably the first week, I was just in so much shock and I was in a really dark place then. Like, again, I was just trying to register what had actually happened. And I remember there was a nurse in my bedroom at all times and it was I, was, I woke up at like 1 a.m. one night and I was like, why, why are you here? Like, I'm fine, I'm just sleeping, you can go to another room and check on other people. Yeah. And she told me, again, she was one of these nurses that wasn't very um, empathetic. And she was like, 
you're on suicide watch. I'm not allowed to leave. And I had no idea, but I'd been in such a bad way that I'd been trying to like pull all the cords out of me or like pull myself out of the bed. I just, and I kept saying to the doctors, like, just let me die. I don't want to be here anymore. And I don't remember any of that. Don't you? But no. But so the whole time I was in Switzerland, I had either a nurse or my mom or Gemma or my sister like physically with me. And so when I flew back to Australia, the first night I wasn't allowed any visitors and I think I got there at like 11 p.m. and I had until 7 a.m. when visitors were allowed in. And it was like I've never felt a longer night. It just, I think coming home, it made it seem so real. real. Mm. Because again, as I said before, when you're overseas, you're like, oh, when I get home, it'll go back to normal. Mm. But it was the first time that I think I really registered what was happening and that it was permanent and that, yeah, it wasn't just going to go away. And so that was a really dark time. But then again, over the next few days, meeting all of these people in the spinal ward and again, that sense of like gratitude for surviving. And also I had so much gratitude for, even though I was paralyzed from the waist down, I was meeting so many people who were paralyzed from the neck Mm -hmm. down. And until that point, I hadn't stopped to think about like how lucky I I was in the scheme of things. And I don't like to compare other people's problems to be like, oh, they've got it worse. But it was the first time that I realized like, okay, my injury isn't the worst thing in the world. Like I'm so lucky to be able to use my hands, my arms. Like I still have so much. And so I kind of shifted my perspective to what I still had and it made such a difference. You really made your pain your power, doll. (laughs) That's what we're all about here. Yeah, so that's such an incredible story. So then you were in for three months um, in the spinal ward in Sydney and then what was home life like then? I kind of had the same thing again when I got home. So in the spinal ward for the rest of those three months, I was loving life. Like I was deliriously happy. I think because I had that rush of like, oh my God, I've, I've survived. Like I just felt so lucky. And doctors would always come in and be like, are you okay? Like I would look out the window and be like, wow. Like it was oh like, God, yeah, yeah, like so I I'd be like, listen to the birds. Oh my God, I just was loving life. I was honestly just oh, wow. so deliriously happy to be alive. Yeah. And then when I got home- back to my actual house, there were so many layers of realising how permanent it was. Mm. So going back into my house and not being able to like stand in the shower that I used to shower in or like Mm. reach things in my cupboard or not being able to like get up the step into my house that I could used to so easily be able to walk in. Like that was was another really difficult thing, just adjusting to real life because in hospital, everything's catered to a wheelchair. Everything's easy. You have the nurses on call. So yeah, just getting back to... I guess the real world was another little challenge. Like you went away young and fit and healthy and exactly. able and you just came back not being able to do everything. Yeah, that, that was it. Like the last time I was in that house, I was leaving for this three-month trip or whatever that I was so excited for. And I just, I thought it would be life-changing, but I never realised just how much. My favourite thing about you is... Like I've watched on your Instagram stories and stuff and you'll like be filming around your room and you'll be filming your couch and you'll be like, see, this is why I can't have nice things, guys. And they'll be like... Oh, because I pee on everything? Yeah, Yeah. there's like patches of wee (laughs) on the couch. And I'm like, fuck, I love how much you normal... Well, you vocalise and you talk about your disability. Do you call it a disability? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though I'm walking again, there's so many elements of paraplegia and for me all of the others remained so I'm still incontinent with my bladder and bowels I still can't feel anything from the waist down so all of these yeah all of these other factors are still affected even though I guess from the outside I look totally fine fully yeah but so with the bladder stuff up until I was 20 up until I had this accident I used to wet the bed every day of my life 
for literally no idea what, like my entire life. And it was like my deepest, darkest secret. Like I hadn't even told Gemma, my best friend, since I was five. Like it would, it was debilitating to me. I would never want to go to sleepovers. Even going to Europe, I was so nervous. I was like, how am I going to hide this thing? Like it was the the biggest thing in my life. And so how when I- hide it? Oh my God, so many ways. But I would get like the little pull-up things and I would hide yeah. them in my bag or I would just set alarms all throughout the night. Like- stop drinking from like 1 p.m. in the afternoon, stop drinking water, like so many things. But then when I found out I was incontinent all day, every day, rather than just at nighttime, I was like, oh my God, like how am I going to deal with this anxiety that was just a nighttime thing to now? All the time. All the time for the rest of my life. And so the first few weeks when I got out of hospital, I was in that same space of like not really wanting to see anyone not wanting to open up about that and just kind of really secluded myself. And then I very quickly realized, like, if I was going to get upset and angry every time I had an accident, which was literally every hour, I was going to be upset and angry every hour of my life for the rest of my life. And it just didn't seem like a way to live after I'd survived this impossible thing. Mm. And And so I decided, it was a very, like, conscious decision. I was like, okay, well, I wonder what would happen if I just tell people and I kind of figured maybe maybe no one would care. Like I, I imagined someone telling me that and I was like, I wouldn't care if they told me that. So I just mm. like took a chance and was like, let's just see what happens. Mm. And literally not a single person in my life has ever cared. Like, yeah. I, I, like yeah, no, there's... Yeah, no. exactly. Well, you and, plane if that's if that's what you're dealing... Like, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I, and just the comparison of how I, how like fearful I felt my entire life life with just the bedwetting and how free and like liberated I feel after just letting people in, like not hiding this secret. It's just such a big difference. And I always talk about this because obviously not everyone can relate to incontinence, but I think a lot of people have like something that they're embarrassed about or ashamed about and don't kind of hide from the world. And I just want people to know that it's so possible to like have that mental freedom of getting past that and and sharing it and not needing to bottle it all up and, like, let it consume you. And it's just, honestly, the best thing I did, just not caring about that anymore. You're just rocking it. Yeah, and, like, obviously I'm not like, (laughs) woo! (laughs) But, like, I truly, it's it's such a mundane topic for me now that it's not even, and I never thought it would get to that phase where it's it's not even slightly embarrassing or awkward. It's just, like, telling you what I ate today. You know what I mean? It's just, just like, that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. You've also written a book. When this accident happened, did you think like maybe I should start documenting stuff? Yeah. Or is it something that how like how long have you been did you write the book for before it was first published? Well, I'd always loved writing in general, like I always kept a diary. That was kind of what I did. But when when I first had the accident in that first month, I remember th- vividly thinking that there was other people that this could happen to and they would turn it into like the best thing of their life and they would create like the silver lining. And I was like, but that's not me. Like I, I was not a positive person. I was not a strong person. I was just like, other people could deal with this and turn it into a book or a movie or whatever it is. But like, absolutely not me. This is going to be, this is going to be forever devastating. Like that's truly what I felt back then. Which could have easily normally been the way absolutely. But from what like, I can't even imagine you being a negative person. Oh, my God, I was so negative. And Jeez. that, yeah, like, I, it, the whole accident and years, like, it had such a profound effect on me that my entire personality even has changed. Like, it feels very before and after that moment. And 
Anyway, as time went on, I was keeping a journal about all the things that I was going through. And honestly, most of it was on Instagram. Like I very accidentally got a following on Instagram. I was just sharing my diary entries on Instagram. This is way back in like 2013 as a way to just track and like keep track of all of these things because I knew that one day I'd want to look back on them. And yeah, I don't know when I decided that I actually wanted to turn it into a book, probably a few years later, but I I never imagined that it would be a published book. I thought it would be something that I just did Mm, for me. I'm so excited to read it now. But in terms of, yeah, the actual legit putting it into book format, that was probably like a year and a half process. Wow. And did anyone come through and help edit it or anything? I had editors, which was helpful, but yeah, I had no idea what I was doing the whole time. Like I I literally YouTubed how to write a book. I just was winging it the entire time. I had no idea. So it's possible for anyone out there that wants to write a book. Write a book from scratch. YouTube. There There were so many days when I thought, I absolutely can't finish this. It honestly wasn't until the day it came out and I physically saw it in a shop that I was like, oh, okay. It's like I actually did it. I just didn't, yeah, it didn't feel, it felt like too big of a did you thing. find it? Did you find it at triggering at all writing the book? Because you obviously had to really go back into that space and like Elle, you would know with like your book tour, you've both just done a book tour recently, like going back into those moments, people want to know the heavy questions, people want to know, like did you find it hard to write parts of that? Um, I didn't find it hard writing about the fall and hospital and that kind of thing or my disability. Like I, I think because it was so long ago, I've had so much time mm. to process and also so much time to speak about it. But the parts that I did find hard, there were two parts. One part was writing about, there was a six-year court case that went on from the accident and it was really traumatic. Like I just had no idea it would take six years and what was involved in it. And I guess because that only finished more recently in my life and also as it was happening, I wasn't legally allowed to speak about it and I never really oh, speak about what it. Was so it what, was it, what was it for? For like compensation for, right. okay. yeah. So did you have travel insurance? I had travel insurance. Oh, but that only, yeah. I, ask. I was like, yeah. small but, Oh my God, yeah. But that only covers diving? you until you get home. But oh, that was really? so helpful. Yeah. But then from the moment I landed back in Australia... Yeah, that, really? that didn't count anymore. Yeah, really? so, and okay, yeah, and yeah, spinal cord injuries are so expensive. Like to oh, pee, God. it costs like $1.50 every time I want to pee and then I have to what? pee every hour. Yeah, and then, I, yeah, there's so many, Why? there's so many, because I need to use catheters. Oh. So I can show you in my bag, but yeah, it's um, expensive. Expensive but, to urinate, doll. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I understand why you just want to wet. Like, why? Well, yeah, like, I'm just, like, just you know, let's, let's save just a dollar. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just, <laughs> just my pants, honestly. Thrifty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing I found difficult to write was, I guess, where other people were involved, because mm. as you would know, like a book is so permanent, and so if your emotions or feelings change on a particular topic, like it seems like it's cemented, that opinion or that view is cemented in time. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I fucking yeah. know what you mean with yeah. that one. And also it's it's only from my point of view. So mm-hmm. I was very aware of the fact that other people I wrote about didn't have, they didn't get the chance to say their piece. Yeah. So in terms of writing about the instructor or my ex-boyfriend or family or whoever it was, I ha- I found it hard to find the line of, like obviously telling the 100% truth and being honest, but also being compassionate to the other person's yeah, feelings. So you don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Yeah, yeah. So can we touch on your boyfriend too? Well, again, let's preface with we were only 20. So like yeah. it's a long time ago and it's Basically totally fine now. School. But yeah, but at the time, like we'd been together three years and I 
was so, it was my first love ride. So I was like, this is, this is it. Like we're together forever. It just seemed so obvious in my mind. And when I was, when I was falling, like he was the main thing that I was thinking about. And it's so sad in hindsight. But when, um, but when I was back in Australia in the hospital, he broke up with me to go on his own trip around Europe. And I, I just remember thinking, like I was so heartbroken and I remember thinking if I had the choice whether to heal my legs or to get him, like I would choose him in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like he was just all I cared about. Oh. And so I wrote about that in the book, which felt, it, it felt a bit like weird because it is so long ago and it's fine now. But I just know that everyone can relate to that feeling of heartbreak and that I knew I needed to add it. But heartbreak at like the lowest of lows that you could possibly yeah ever. Yeah. Like, like cool. have. Like, but, you must have felt yeah. like, were you a bit like, oh, well, am I not lovable? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, I think it definitely affected me. I was like, oh, well, yeah. I'm just <laughs> now here. Yeah. Let me just keep working yeah, yeah, out how yeah. to walk. Yeah, exactly. You're in a relationship now? Yeah. All okay. is well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, wow. It's, it's, a, it's a, oh, fuck, Everyone, I don't know. That whole story is just I've never heard anything. Wild. Like that. Isn't it's it just wild. you seem rattled over there? I've like I just like usually I've got a lot of words and I don't really have a lot of words because I'm just like trying to process Fully it. And, like there's so many elements and like you've just like seem like the most kindest, genuine, like grateful person for something such a tragedy that's happening in your life. And like look at where you are today. I'm like, wow. Oh, well, it's thank just you. like, yeah, it's really inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> it's nuts that you're walking and talking and you're just <laughs> like I'm so grateful you're alive. I actually have uh, uh, another question for you before we go. Obviously, these kind of tragic accidents happen like every second of every day Mm. all over the world. You know, is there anything that you can say to people that have like found themselves in situations like where where you are and like, you know, if a friend or anyone listens to this podcast and something does happen, they can share it to someone, be like, listen to this. Like, Mm. what what have you got to say to someone who's like in that moment going, fuck? Like what is happening? Yeah. Well, I guess like I said before, I, when I was in that moment, I truly didn't think I would ever get past it. Like I didn't think there would ever be any light at the end of the tunnel, like genuinely. And I didn't think that I was a person capable of getting through it and to know that I have. And I think when people maybe hear me talk or read a book or whatever it is, or we hear about these people that we can look up to, it, it seems like it was easier. It seems like, of course, they would have got through it. Like they're just, that's their personality. But I just want people to know that it it wasn't me at all. And hence, I think that we are all so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for and so much more adaptable and so much stronger and resilient than we we realise. And we kind of don't know until we're in a situation where we're forced to be. And it sucks that we're forced to be strong sometimes. Mm. Like sometimes we don't want to be strong, mm. but we. we are all are so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. That's so wow. beautiful. Well, everyone needs to wow, go wow, and wow. buy The Girl Who Fell From The Sky, your book. And a little shout out to one of our best friends, Hannah, who took the photo on the front cover. I know. Oh, did she? Hannah yeah. Sugarman. yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So I never wanted to be on the front cover. I just wanted it to be... I don't know, words or like a pattern or something. And then after she took that photo and I was looking at it and it's me like kind of dancing in this field and I was like, what a metaphor. I got paralysed in a field. Here I am like dancing in the field and you could see the date. It was all, it was such an accident. Like this photo shoot was not for the cover of the book and you could see the 
tattoo on my arm, which is the date of the accident. Oh, stop. And it just, I was like, that's got to be it. Meant to be. Yeah. It's such yeah. a beautiful book cover. And oh, where, she's such a good photographer. And where can um where can our listeners find you, like, on social media? What is your Instagram handle? Um, yeah, I'm just on Instagram, so it's m underscore Carrie. Thank you oh, so much for coming on. I'm going to make you sign so my beautiful. book now. <laughs> Thanks for having Bring me, it. guys. Thank you so much. That was just such a beautiful story. I'm like, yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Em. We love you. You guys are great. Oh.